You are listening to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. Integrity, commitment, kindness, and flexibility are at the core of Cambridge's values and drive the spirit of Cambridge. Join our host, Cambridge CEO Amy Weber, for each Cambridge Stronger episode as she invites financial professionals to offer insight on how they integrate values and purpose in their care for their investing clients. You'll hear stories on how they got their start, as well as why they are in the advice profession. Now here's Amy. Welcome to Cambridge Stronger. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us for today's episode is Carl Elsass, president of Elsass Financial Group. Thank you for joining us, Carl. Thank you for having me. So exciting to have you here. I know that your story is very inspiring, and I'm excited to share with our listeners today that story. So tell us, how did you get into the advice profession? I grew up in a retail store, actually. My dad and his dad had a Ben Franklin store. I don't know if you remember those. They're kind of like the five and dime kind of old stores. I do. Yeah. I I really learned a lot about customer service from those experiences. I can remember my grandpa telling one of the employees that customers are not an um, interruption. They're the reason for the business. And that has just stuck with me. I really saw what it meant to work hard and to put time in. That's just a quick little precursor, I guess. My dad and, and grandpa sold the store when I was in high school. And my dad started selling life insurance. And, and all I really knew was that he had this office and there was a sign and life insurance was in the name. I really didn't know much about it. And I didn't know that he also had gotten his securities license. So I went to college and in my freshman year, I took a finance course that I really liked. And I started looking through the course catalog and that college had a program that was a finance degree with a concentration in insurance and investments. And I thought, how cool is that? And it really sounded interesting. And I told that to my dad and said, this really kind of sounded interesting. And he kind of chuckled and he said, you know what I do, right? (laughs) And and I go, no, I guess I really don't know what you do. And so he said, well, why, why don't you get licensed and help me in the summer? And so the summer after my first year of college, I actually got licensed at 18. I was just about ready to turn 19. Thereafter, I I helped each summer and, you know, got the next license that next summer and the next license that next summer and started kind of helping that way. The, The really kind of kind of fun thing right now is that my son is actually helping me this summer in the office. And this is the summer after his freshman year. He is actually back scanning all of our old files. And he found a letter. This happened about three or four weeks ago. He found a letter that I had wrote that summer that said that I just finished my first year at Bowling Green. And you know, had, and it was this really nice letter. It's pretty cool that I still have that client now, 31 years later. It was pretty neat that he actually found that too. I, I don't know if he'll ever come work with me, but that was pretty neat. That's great. It reminds me of a time capsule, right? An unintentional time capsule that you, you happen to find. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's wonderful. 
Well, and so that's a great segue. Tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us a little bit about the personal side of Carl. So I have twin boys who are 19. One is the one who, who has been helping me this summer. He is a history major. He, think, he, he thinks he wants to maybe teach either, either, either high school or college. He's not quite sure. And the other one, Jacob, really likes math and really likes science and thinks he wants to be a doctor, maybe even a surgeon. He's shadowed some surgeons and actually didn't faint and really liked it and uh, thought that it was pretty cool. And so he's thinking maybe that. I think that's a long road and we'll see. And then my wife is a high school French teacher. Actually, I've known her since kindergarten. We've been friends forever and have been married. It's going to be 27 years here this fall. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. A fantastic family. You talked a little bit about the whole generational history of your family. And I know that you just shared with us that the boys are potentially going in slightly different directions, but you and I both know that many people who end up in this business end up in it accidentally, right? We don't really realize. So fingers crossed that one of them will decide at some point in time that they want to come and be a part of your business. That'd be exciting. I think about it quite a bit. I just turned 50 and I feel like there's, you know, I have some time yet to go obviously. But I also feel like I need to start thinking about that. And it would really be nice if one of them really did have some interest. I really don't want to push them. That's the last thing I want to do. I, I want them to, you know, really enjoy what they do and want to, I never wanted to push them. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about what is most fulfilling for you when you work with your clients. What is it that gives you that passion to come in every day and do what you do? For, for me, I, I think it sounds kind of basic. I, I really like helping people. Sometimes that's some very basic things where it's just things that they can't do on their own and that they're really thankful that we can help them with. Those things are daily things. But I also really enjoy when we're able to do some advanced planning for people, when they really see value, when they can really see the value to the bottom line. And we've done some advanced planning with companies where we combine qualified plans and non-qualified plans. And some, some of that kind of advanced planning, I, I really like to be able to kind of use the, use the noggin and, and really get detailed at times. And when, when clients can see a lot of value, that's just super cool for me. Do you do any generational work with the clients at this stage? Oh, yeah. I have quite a number of three generational client situations where we have worked with three generations at one time. And that's just been really fun to see. I, I guess it was kind of interesting. I really didn't think we had as many as, as we do. And then I started to take a look and there are quite a few of them. So that's, yeah, I, I, I really find that rewarding also, even if, even if those younger clients aren't generating a whole lot, working with them and kind of seeing them kind of get it and seeing them start making smart decisions early on is, is really fun as well. Well, and they'll inherit 
eventually, right? Correct. Just you building the relationship with them is key for you and your business to take care of them when they are actually the decision makers. So it sounds like maybe that strategy wasn't entirely purposeful in these examples. How does it happen? How do the parents potentially or the grandparents ask you to bring the children in or exactly how does it work? I think it's happened both ways. I know I've definitely had some clients where I've said, you know, it's really great that your son just graduated from college and has their first job. I'd be happy to help help them to kind of get started and take a look at things for them. That kind of thing definitely happens. But I've also had situations where parents have asked me to come and talk with their kids or their grandkids. Sometimes it is that client gifting money and saying, you know, I want this to be set up as a Roth for this grandson or for this son or granddaughter. So it's, I guess it's really happened both ways. That's great. I, I think more financial professionals should be focused on that particular strategy. So I really appreciate you sharing it today. I think that's very valuable. So I know you personally and your business, we've known each other for a long time, value trust and compassion when you're interacting with your clients. Which Cambridge core value do you relate to most in the workplace with your clients? And then also, is it different? Which core value or what are the core values that you use and utilize in your personal life? It's now going to be a year that I have been working with Chad George in business consulting. And one of the first things, the first kind of basic things that he, he had me do was to take a look at our value statements. And in that process, it was interesting. I found that a lot of the values of Cambridge are our values also. I mean, it was kind of one of those like, well, yeah, of course, but it was really kind of neat to, to see. I, th- I think the one that I try to emulate and try to do the most is kindness. I think that's such a great value to have listed as a company's core value. That's, that's really pretty unique, I think. It's, it's something I feel very important also. I guess it goes back to that comment of my grandpa back with the store. You know, I guess oftentimes people call and sometimes, you know, I've, I've had staff kind of give the eye roll, oh, it's so-and-so on the phone. I know it's going to be a problem. And, and I always kind of have to tell them to take, take a step back and say, no, they're calling because they need some help. We need to figure out whatever it is. We need to, we need to help them. So kindness, I'll give you a couple other quick examples. When COVID started and there were a lot of people wondering about if they were going to be able to keep their jobs or not, I wanted our staff to know that that their jobs were safe and that there was no problem there. So I gave them a bonus that was out of the normal kind of cycle. It was when this all started. I said to them that you'll have your job. I'm confident of that, even if you're working from home, which some of them still are, but I wanted to make sure that they knew that they would have a job, but I knew that some of their family might not, and I was already hearing whispers that, that some of their family members weren't, and I, and I said, pay it forward, help out someone in the family, that that was something that was important to me. The other thing that we've done is for clients, and we found a really nice little micro bakery that's here in town, and we're having little gift baskets sent to our top 100 clients, like roughly. 
just for no other reason as we think it's a tough time and there's a lot of emotional turmoil lately. We're, we're kind of spacing them out over a period of weeks to try to do this, but uh, we've had some really nice comments from people and, and they'll call and say, this was really great. That was, that was wonderful, but you know, kind of why right now? And, and I just have said, you know, we know it's tough and this is a difficult time and there's lots of people who are worried about their kids and worried about their grandkids. And, and we just wanted to give a little bit of a smile if we could. So those are a couple of things that we've done. Those are great examples, not only of Cambridge kindness, but if the world would think more about your point of pay it forward society in general, we might be in a less tumultuous time in our history for sure. So you're doing your part. Those are great stories for sure. So let's talk a little bit about COVID. What are some things that you think perhaps aren't going to go back to normal? Some changes that you and your staff have potentially made that you found probably might be permanent, as we say that term new norm, right? Can you give us a couple of examples? Sure. I, I think personally, we'll, we'll find ourselves doing more virtual meetings. I really hope that we get back to some in-person meetings also. I've had some clients that have difficulty with technology, and I really think that meeting with masks is a really difficult thing to do. You really lose facial expressions the same way. And I really think you, you, you lose a little bit of a trust factor there. So I really hope we'll get back to some of that. But I think that the new norm might have more virtual meetings, which I think will be great for us. I used to really try to meet all of our clients in person. That would even mean sometimes driving some distance to meet clients. And I think that we'll be able to be more efficient going forward by being able to do more of the meetings virtually. I think it'll be a combination down the road. I, I Again, I really hope we'll get back to some in-person meetings, but you know, I had, I had done some virtual meetings in the past, but we've obviously done tons and tons more lately. And I think in some ways it's been more valuable to be able to share screen and pull up their planning situation and do things that way. I think that that'll be more of the norm. The, the, the other thing is that I think that, you know, we, we've, we've already had a little bit of a shift in dress code over the last five or 10 years. I mentioned my, my grandpa. I think of, of him quite a bit when I think of dress code. There's a family place that, that we go quite a bit, and we took him there later in his life. And it's, it's a very primitive camping situation. There's no electricity, no running water, but it's paradise. He would go there and he would have a nice button-up shirt like I have on, even there. He would have a vest on and he, was, he, he always dressed nicely, usually a tie. But again, when we were camping, he took the tie off, right? So that's obviously not going to be the same kind of thing going forward with, with everybody. But I think that I used to always wear a tie every day. Even if I didn't have a client meeting for some rare timing situation, I would, I, would, I would always wear a tie. It really adds a little bit of professionalism that I think is, is really nice. 
But I think that going forward, I'll probably wear less ties. I think that I, I will wear a little more of this kind of just a nice shirt without a tie. But I think we'll have a little less uh, ties going forward. Yeah, I, and I think the younger generations will appreciate that this happened to us so that old folks like you and I relax <laughs> a little bit and let them dress the way that right. they think we should be dressing, right? One more thing I wanted to comment on that you mentioned earlier is the whole idea of facial expressions. And what I've found has been really challenging. I get my energy from watching people's facial expressions. And I feel like I transfer a lot of my personality through my own facial expressions as well. And so even just coming in in the morning and saying good morning, I've had to start learning. And I was thinking about it actually the last couple of days. I wonder if there will not be classes, depending on how long this goes, on how to be more expression oriented with just your eyes. Because when you've got the bottom of your face covered, you've got to figure out, I mean, I find myself coming into work really People probably think I'm insane because my eyes are like, hello, good morning. I'm so excited to be here. That's what we grew up with, right? This is a people business. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I have a client that maybe about 10 years ago gave me a couple books on body language, which I thought was really kind of interesting. This, this particular client that I've had for a long, long time has kind of almost been a little bit of a mentor. He's really kind of just been this neat guy that's been interested in my business and trying to help me grow. And I've kind of let him, and he gave me some books on body language that I thought were fascinating. And I've, I've always been interested in that. And you're right. I, I absolutely think there could be some courses, maybe some books written on both being able to show and being able to read a little bit better because you're right. I mean, you lose so much and half your face is covered up. Absolutely. Let's pivot again. Outside of the office, Carl, what's the most important thing in your life? I think my kids would say bread and cheese. <laughs> but the reality is really them. My, my family's always been my first priority. I've really loved to see them grow and experience things. And I love to do things with them. And that's been a little bit of a nice silver lining of this whole COVID situation. My boys, you know, have been home from college and we're once again having family dinners at the dinner table and talking about their day and being able to do projects with them. Actually at that family place I was talking about, we've kind of gone back. And I guess I mentioned that there is no running water or electricity there. We have this summer built some benches by hand, cut, you know, a lot of, we, I think we figured, you know, 70 some different cuts, a lot of sawing and building because we actually built four, but doing projects like that with them has been a wonderful thing this summer that we kind of got back to. I have a, a sidebar. Did you add any new investments into your portfolios as a result of COVID, like board games or puzzles or Zoom? Did it create <laughs> any business ideas for you in terms of somebody's financial portfolio? Because I feel like I should have probably invested in some things early on. Zoom and DocuSign. I, I, I don't know why we didn't think about those things when this whole thing started. No, I wish that I had thought of some of those. The only thing that I really think that helped me and some of my clients is buying low 
I did some personally and I had some clients, certain ones that had the temperament to be able to do that. And that, that was the only kind of smart thing I can say that I did. Well, you're brilliant. And the brilliant thing you just said was, in my opinion, determining which of your clients have the risk tolerance for different kinds of things. That's why you do what you do and why investors need people like you. So Carl, any final words of advice or inspiration for our audience that you want to add before we close for today? Wow. Thank you. It's been awesome being here. This has been a really cool, cool experience. So thank you. I guess the thing that I would say is when I think back to getting into the business and again, I, I mean, I was licensed at 18. I got in very early. You know, it has to be so hard to get into the business right now. Things have really changed and, and to, to get into business has to be a little tough. And I, and I think what really helped me was having time to learn the business, learn how to work with clients and service and take care of people and do so in a situation where I wasn't pushed. I, I was very fortunate to have some time to be able to do that. And I think that really helped me quite a bit. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And I think those are the kind of things that will resonate with our future. I'm sure our audience will get great value from that. So thank you for sharing. And thank you for allowing Cambridge to, you talked about trust. Thank you for trusting us and allowing us to serve you and your clients. We appreciate you very much. We appreciate the relationship and especially appreciate you sharing today all of your experiences and examples Hopefully we will inspire some people along the way to come into our noble profession that we have. So thank you very much. Thank you, Amy. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cambridge Stronger. Amy Weber and her guests enjoy sharing these insightful stories on why they became independent financial professionals, as well as client success stories. New episodes are available monthly in your favorite podcast venues. Stronger.